Well, good morning. We want to welcome you to Spruce Grove Community Church. If you're visiting with us this morning, we're excited you're here. And uh, we do encourage you, if you have any questions, to come and talk to us after the service. We'd love to answer them. Are you guys ready to worship God today? Is he worthy of his worship? Wow, hey? can tell it's Sunday morning. Why don't we stand to our feet? Is he worthy of his worship this morning? He is. And so, Father, this morning we come before you. And, Lord, we just say today, have your way. Today we want to honor you. We want to worship you. We want to declare that you are good. Because, Father, that's who you are. And so this morning, we push aside every thought, every distraction, everything that would weigh our heart down. And today, we acknowledge that you are Lord. And so, Father, we choose to worship you with everything in us today, in Jesus' name. So let's join together, and let's honor and worship our God this morning. You know, I find that this is... Right this moment right here is the question that we've been asking. What do I do now? It seems like we've gone through a couple levels of songs and we followed along really well, but I'm unsure what to do right now. I know there's times in my life where I feel that same way. Not just in this building, but outside of this place as well. It's like, okay, it seems like I went to work, I got all this stuff done, but now what? Now what do I do? And so this is the question that's really hard for leaders in churches in particular because we're in a culture where we don't like really being told what to do. <laughs> we don't like really being told, okay, now is the time you need to stand up and really go for it because we don't like that. And so we live in a tough time, even more specifically a tough time in our church because we realize that the things that we used to try to do to like really get ourselves energized and go to the next thing don't, doesn't really work anymore. And sometimes it can feel like we've missed the ball, missed the play, missed the doorway, missed the opportunity. I'm, gonna, I'm here to tell you right now, I'm here to encourage you right now that we haven't missed it. You haven't missed it yet. It isn't really about me trying to get you to do all the same thing that I'm going to do, it's really a posture of our hearts. And if you were to look around the room right now, you would actually see examples of people that are drawn close to God, like over in the corner here. We have dear friends praying for someone else, and clearly, as I look at them, they're connecting with God. I look around at some of the worship team and they're worshiping and you can tell that they're connecting with God. We're not trying to get a, a, a practiced, rehearsed response from you. We just want you to connect with God. Because I believe, all the church leaders here believe, that if we were to connect with God, all the things that happened throughout the week start to fade away. They start to diminish in size and importance because we sang it, God is greater. And the greater God becomes in our life, the less those problems, they seem smaller. And so right now, there's an opportunity. Can I allow myself, even if I don't feel like it, and I know that, I know that most of you don't get the luxury of working in a church and being around this all the time. I know that many of you have to go to work and get yelled at by your bosses or, or in a difficult relationship and have to deal with that six days. Out of, I know that. But what I also know is, is that God is greater. And that if he were to arise in us, and if we were to reach out and grab hold of him right now, he could show us how much control he has on everything else. And so I want to encourage you right now, whether you're sitting or standing, I want you to tune in your heart 
Young people too, like you're, you're not too young to do this. Old people, you're not too old to do this. I want you to start to really focus now on God. Focus on him and how great he actually is and watch what starts to change. Watch what starts to, how you start to feel. Because you know what? As you have a revelation of how good God is or how big he is, you're going to start to feel a little bit different. Worshiping him might become a little bit easier. Singing might become a little bit louder out of your mouth. I'm going to pray. And I know this isn't something that you can just kind of write like, paint one big broad stroke and it's all fixed. This is something, this is part of the journey. So Lord, right now I pray that this would be an opportunity, a doorway to see how great you are. A a window for us to look through to see that you are greater than what I initially thought you were. An opportunity to look at your goodness and realize that it outweighs all of my goodness. An opportunity to actually come and devote myself to you fresh and anew so that you may do what you want in my life. So band, I would like it if you just would sing something that maybe we could join with. I want you to join with that if you can. And if you don't know how to sing or say that, just say your own words to God. But right now, let's focus again on him, the one true God that can actually control everything. Amen. We're going to sing that song again here in a minute, but I just feel in my heart that I don't know how you came through those doors today. I'm not sure what place you're in in your own heart. Just as I was praying, I sensed that some of our faith is high. Some of us are excited about our journey with God. I sense for others we barely made it through the door this morning, but we're here. We're sitting in these seats. Maybe we're standing. Just. And for others, I feel like it's maybe just a bit of a reflex. We just come to church because that's what we do right now is on Sunday we come to church. But one thing I can tell you is regardless of why you came, in some ways it really doesn't matter. Because ultimately I can tell you what is here. Regardless of the state of your heart, regardless if you're fragile today or if you're strong today, there is living water here. This is what we need to grasp right now in our hearts, is right now in our midst is living water. Regardless of how you feel, that doesn't matter so much right now, but what does matter is this is that you understand there is living water available for you right now at this moment in time in your journey that the Father, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, is available right now. And so this morning, we're going to go back into that song, and regardless of where you're at, if you need to just come to the front because you need living water, then come. It's here. If you need to sit in your pew, then sit in your pew. If you need to raise your hands, then raise your hands. Regardless of where your heart is today, but right now is a moment, an opportunity. And it isn't an opportunity I'm giving you. It's an opportunity the Father is giving you right now, is I have living water. And if you want it, come and receive it. So this morning, that is on you. If you want that living water, however you need to do this, Receive it from him. You know, there's so many things we think we need. But the one thing we do need is his living water. So if that's you this morning, just raise your hands with me. And we're just going to pray and talk to the Father here for a minute. Father God, we need your living water.
This is a reality. We are these flawed beings that come with so many issues and problems, but such an amazing opportunity right in front of us that every day, every moment of every hour, we get to just come before you, that that living waters, that tap is always on. It's there for us. Right now, it's, it's available for each person in this room. And Father, right now, we just come before you. God, regardless of where we're at, and we say, Jesus, just touch us. Touch your people. We need you, Father. Whatever issue, problem, struggle, it is not too big for you. We know that. Father, we just give you glory. In fact, we say you are good because we know. We know that you're going to take care of business. That's the God that you are. Thank you, Jesus. You know, this morning I just can't take my eyes off of one thing. And I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you've seen it, but I mean, if you just want to have your heart touched, just look over here at this beautiful woman, Gail. I mean, I just look at her and I see Jesus all over her. I see faithful all over her. I see someone who is so dedicated to her faith in Jesus Christ. She knows exactly where she needs to be right at this moment. And may we learn from her. Living water. Living water. Jesus, it's all about your living water. That's it. We think there's so much, but it's all about just coming before you. And that living water that you have for us every day, every moment, every second. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're going to transition to the next part of the service this morning. So, you can grab your seats. We're excited for what the Lord's going to bring to us today. We've got the wonderful Mr. Jim Denotter sharing with us. Yes, exactly. It's always good. It's going to be good this morning. Well, Heavenly Father, we just ask now to that your, your spirit would quicken your word to our hearts. So, <clears throat> how many of you have ever caught yourself actually criticizing yourself right out loud? You know, sort of the, oh, you idiot. I'm such a loser. I'm losing it. Right? <clears throat> uh-huh. I... It was, it was interesting. We were, uh, we've just been away. We just got home uh, Friday night, and uh, we were, were talking about words and the power that words have. And so what I thought we would do this morning is just a little light Bible study together. Can you imagine that? I'm going to be speaking, and we're going to sit here and read from Scripture together. Wow. What a difference. <laughs> um, and, and we're just going to do a quick little Bible study together on words. Now, it's a, there's an interesting thing to do with words. And most of you know I'm pretty strong on pretty much not concentrating on the do's and don'ts in in, you know, at, 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 not trying to set up religious systems with a bunch of do's and don'ts in them. And so mostly, I'm all about pursue God. Pursue God, pursue God, pursue God. And most of that other stuff takes care of itself, right? Uh, in fact, speaking of words, Chris, I remember a testimony that you shared, I don't know how many years ago now. Hopefully, you still remember it. Uh, <laughs> And Chris talked about when he was in high school and uh, kind of hanging around with Jay Ray and some of the others uh, that they were good friends with. And Chris said he had a fairly foul mouth back then. Chris, yeah. And then, you know, he came uh, actually to the Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames uh, performance thing that we did here back then a number of times. And, and, uh, and actually came to the Lord, gave his life to the Lord. And, of course, he's never managed to leave, really. I mean, he's gone a couple of times out, but he's always back here in the church. And he gave his life to the Lord, and he said nobody told him that he had to clean up his language. Nobody told him what he had to do 
Nobody made rules for him in that respect. But I remember you saying it was about six or eight weeks later, one day he suddenly noticed he wasn't using that foul language. It just it felt uncomfortable. Was that kind of the way you... Yeah? Okay. Interesting thing. So I'm, you know, I've, I've always kind of pushed that kind of an idea, this idea that if we pursue God, then the fruit that is produced in our lives, not the fruit that we create ourselves, but the fruit that is produced in our lives will be godly fruit, and it will be good. But I was a little surprised as I began to do this study on words and on our speaking, just how much there is in the Bible about specific actual do's and don'ts regarding to our words. And so I began to dig into that a little bit and try and figure out why is that the case? Why, why in this area is there so much about, you know, specifics about words and the actions we are or are not to take regarding words? You know what the truth is? That your words have real power to them. They have the power to create. Did you know that? Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. His speaking out. The universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Meaning, he created the whole universe out of nothing by speaking. Not by making it out of something, but by speaking. Genesis 1, verse 3 says, and we all know it, And God said, let there be light. What did he do? He spoke it. There was nothing, and then there was light when he spoke it. As we look through Genesis 1, God, each each verse almost starts with, and God said. So we read verse 3, let there be light. But verse 6, verse 9, verse 11, verse 14, verse 20, verse 24, they all are, and God said. Every one of those verses starts with, and God said, as he created each different thing on the earth and in the universe. Then, verse 26 God actually defines a purpose for man. And he said to man to go and subdue the earth. So he defined purpose by saying. And then, if we go to verse 28, he gives a commission to man. Okay? So in verse 28... He said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, etc. And then in verse 29, he tells creation how to respond. Okay, so all of this, the creation of the entire universe, the creation of man, the telling man what to do, the giving of a commission, and then the telling of creation how to respond to that commission. I've given you every herb etc. And to you it should be for food. So he's telling creation to sustain man, okay, and, and the animals. All of this he's doing by saying, okay? And if you go back to the Hebrew, it's very clear. It is not building. It is not forming with hands. It is not, it is nothing of that. It is creating through speaking. We are created in the image of of God. That's what it says in Scripture. Do you know that we are the only created beings on earth, the only earthly beings that have spoken language? Okay? The rest of creation, there's communication. You've seen, you know, animals get together and, and, and you know, kind of figure things out together, etc. But we're the only ones with spoken language. Our words convey information but they can create and they can destroy because that is part of the power that God has put in us in being created in his image. 
we can build up or tear down both physically and spiritually and emotionally with words, ourselves and others. Proverbs 12.6 says, The words of the wicked are like a murderous ambush, but the words of the godly save lives. Words are really important. Proverbs 18. Let's read a few pieces of it here, starting in verse 2. It says, Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. So there's this thing about speaking forth opinions that aren't related to our trying to understand something that is foolishness, and it, it belittles the words. Wise words, verse 4, wise words are like deep waters. Wisdom flows from the wise like a bubbling brook. Verse 6, fools' words get them into constant quarrels. They're asking for a beating. <laughs> yes, Derek, I am. I'm sorry. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, but I studied in the NKJV. <laughs> so it's still true, Okay. Verse 7, the mouths of fools are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. Verse 8, this is an important one. Rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. Do you know the power of a rumor? The power of a rumor, of hearing something spoken that is a, you know, shaded is maybe it might even be partially true might be all the way true doesn't matter the rumor it says goes straight and it sinks deep into one's heart now by the way i actually believe this is a side note here i actually believe that in scripture when paul um is is on this island and he gets bitten by a snake how many of you know that one after the shipwreck he's on the island and they're making a fire and whatever and the snake comes out this horrible poisonous snake comes out and bites him and all the people around are going well okay this guy must have been a nasty criminal because here he is he's just saved from a shipwreck and he's still gonna die anyway after he gets bitten by the snake and he shakes it off nothing happens to him and scripture tells us that we can take in any deadly poison, those who are in Christ, take in a deadly poison, and will not hurt them. And I believe that at some level, this is God, that that, that, that is actually as much as anything about when you accidentally hear a rumor or gossip. It's a deadly poison. It sinks deep into your heart. But God is willing to take that out. He's actually willing to cleanse that out. Remove it from your mind so it doesn't have to affect the way that you think from there forward. Because I can tell you that if somebody tells me something nasty about Jesse, true or not, it's going to be hard for me to look at Jesse and not think of that thing. It's going to be hard not for me to judge the next thing I see him do by that thing that somebody told me. But I do believe if that ever happens to you, don't be listening to gossip. <laughs> don't be telling gossip. Don't be doing rumors, whatever. But if you overhear something like that, God will cleanse it. You can, if you, if you accidentally get bit by the snake, you know, God's willing to deal with that. And I think that's, that's an important thing because those words have power. Thirteen. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. 14, the human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear a crushed spirit? Verse 20, wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. And then verse 21, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. So the power of life and death is in your words, is in your tongue. That's scripture. So, what are we using our words for? Are we using words to build up people? Is that, is that what we do? We're using words to build ourselves up? And I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. I'm talking about speaking blessing. 
and, and I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of ways people can take this, you know, to, to the extreme. But again, we're not going to sit here and say because there's an extreme out there somewhere, we're not going to look at what the truth is. You know, the, the truth is that our words have power and they matter. Are they filled with hate or love? Are they filled with bitterness or blessing? Complaining or compliments? Lust or love? Victory or defeat? Our words can actually lift us up or send us spiraling into depression. Our own words can curse ourselves and bring physical changes in our minds and in our bodies. In fact, I just noticed it was interesting here in the last couple of weeks. Those of you who, who look at social media probably saw there was a thing floating around about how complaining rewires your brain. Who saw that? Nobody? Okay. Well, okay. A couple people. But uh, there's this scientific study that they've been doing it at uh, a number of the hospitals in the U.S. and MIT got involved as well. And they showed how complaining actually rewires your brain to see things more negatively. You can actually create physical depression in your body through your words. The scariest thing I read, and I hadn't ever really clued into this before, came from the words of Jesus in Matthew 12, verses 33 to 37. It says, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. By the way, many of the words that come out of our mouth are fruit. Because the Bible tells us that it reveals our heart. We'll see that in a minute. Jesus goes on. He's talking to the Pharisees here. He says, you brood of snakes. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this. Okay, here's the scary one. I tell you this. You must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words that you say will either acquit you or condemn you. When I read that, I realized there's something bigger here than a lot of of other things that we, you know, that we do. If, if, you know, if somebody's stealing, it doesn't say that your stealing will acquit you or condemn you on the day of judgment. But it does say that your words will acquit you or condemn you on the day of judgment. I thought, oh my goodness. What does that even mean? My words today have eternal consequence this is true this is the word of god out of the mouth of jesus so it does it does mean that your words are always creating something something with eternal consequence i thought that was really important because i think that sometimes we find it easy to um i don't know to to, to be not careful with our speech um you know, even to the level of, well, I have freedom. I'm, you know, I'm saved by grace, uh, not by, you know, not by what I do, and and uh, and so therefore, pff, I can I can say whatever I want, and if I want to use bad language, foul language, curse words, whatever, even just off-color stuff, who cares? It's all good. I'm saved. Well, I'm telling you, you're saved. That may be true, but you're creating something eternal with your speech. So. I'm suggesting we, we might want to look at that a little bit ourselves. I'll give you another one, and it has to do with authority. When I was a, a little child, actually, probably about six or seven, I came under a real conviction about words. And I didn't, you know, at six and seven, I didn't understand that thing fully, of course, and it wasn't probably until I was in my 30s that I... I began to understand that the conviction that God had given me 
about my language and about the kinds of things I was and wasn't allowed to say was related to the authority he wanted to be able to put on me with words. I think, you know, it's funny, Paul invited me up here. Paul was once upon a time a kid in our kids' church, um, you know, setting where at, at a time when Galen and I were the kids' pastors here. And um, we, at that time, we had a room with, uh, it was grades one through six kids, and we would have about 70 kids on a Sunday morning in that room. And in that room, when I said, okay, everybody, pay attention, they all did. And people think that's kind of odd, that 70 kids would all of a sudden stop and pay attention when somebody says, okay, let's pay attention. Do you know that in 11 and a half years of kids' church, I never yelled? Never had to yell. What's that? Well, it's nothing in me. I'm, I'm actually not a very scary guy. <laughs> really, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy who loves fun. I love to laugh. I, I bring humor into things. And yet, God had, had put on me this thing where he said, I want to give your words authority. So therefore, you've got to be careful how you use them. God has granted us the ability to, to provide words for each other. Let's, let's look at Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 32. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church the body of Christ. So the first thing those words are supposed to do is build up. This will continue until we come to such unity in our faith and the knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Okay? So we're building up to a maturity, measuring up the full and complete standard, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will be no longer immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, and as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So there's this thing about coming to maturity. And when we come to maturity, Paul says, with the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they're hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gave us, gives us because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. So we are to throw off the old sinful nature, and that's what you know, Chris's testimony talked about. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So, here's some do's and don'ts in here, Okay. So throw off the old nature. Here's the next one. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we're all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. And then verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And I, I thought this was interesting because all in together there, stop telling lies, don't let anger control you, quit stealing, and don't use foul or abusive language. It's interesting how foul and abuse, and in Scripture we know that in the Jewish way they build, right? Each thing is the next bigger thing as it comes in. The, the, the final one at the end of this is using foul or abusive language after 
the stealing and anger and, and lying. And don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he's identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, <clears throat> tenderhearted, forgiving, etc. Just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. <clears throat> I just thought it was so interesting. Lying, stealing, anger, and foul language are grouped together. Now, understand, this is not actually a whole series of don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and don't do this is. Because any time in scripture where you ever see anything that sort of has that don't do this to it, really, there's a do on the other side of it. All it is is examples of the other side, right? So in, in this particular case, it's really saying, tell the truth. Be peaceful. Be giving. Work hard. Be giving. And then... Speak blessing. Speak peace. In fact, what's interesting is Jesus had the words of life, right? Remember that? Peter said, where would we go? When Jesus said, are you going to leave me too? And Peter said, where would he go? You have the words of life in, in, in John 6. And then in Luke 4, 22, it says, and all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, isn't this Joseph's son? They couldn't even fathom how Jesus could be speaking the kinds of things he was speaking because they knew him. And yet his words were creating something. Our words are an overflow of our hearts. So remember what we read in Matthew there. It said, you brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. And in Romans 3.14, it says that the sinner's mouth is full of curses and bitterness. So the thing we need to understand is our own words are an overflow of our heart. So if you notice that you don't like the words, then you've got to actually say, wow, what is in my heart? And, and that's, again, to me, it's more about that. It's more about, wow, this gauge, what is in my heart? Uh, how many of you have kind of caught, found yourself ever getting caught up on the political side of things and saying nasty things about one or another candidate or leader? You know, I find it interesting that, um, first of all, it tells you then something about what's in your heart. You know, it, it, in, in Romans 3, it says... Uh, before Christ here, you know, before Christ comes into people, uh, Romans 3, 13, 14, their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Wow. You see, it's not pulling any punches here. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. But if we look at Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Now, so confessing can even save you. Now, I'm going to go back to that other comment here on the political side for a minute. So if we can create with our words, if we can be saved by our words, if we can destroy and pull down with our words, we got to look at this a little bit. How many of you think it's a smart idea to give a running chainsaw to a four-year-old? Nobody. No four-year-olds in the room, clearly, because their hands would be up. We don't give power tools to babies. Why is that? Yeah, we wouldn't have those babies anymore, perhaps, or at least parts of them. This would not be good. The flip side is even giving a hammer to a little guy who totally isn't going to hurt himself with it in your living room. <laughs> Not a good plan. Why? Because they will wreak destruction with it. So, how do we stop that from happening? 
We don't let them have the power tools because they don't have the maturity to use them properly. Power tools are a great thing when you're actually knowing how to use them, using them properly, and trying to build something. A very good thing. Without them, many of, of, of those here who, who do you know, physical kinds of work would find it almost impossible to do your job. Fabulous. Dynamite. Dynamite is a good thing. Sometimes, in certain occasions, in certain places, with people who know how to use it. You drill little holes in the rock, you put the thing in, you put the fuse on, you go a long distance away, you press the plunger, boom, it goes, and, and then you clean up the mess, and, and, and okay, great. Now we have a tunnel through the mountain. Excellent. Now we have ore that we can turn into metal and things that we want to use. Dynamite's wonderful. If you know how to use it. <clears throat> and if you don't know how to use it, and you give it to someone who's going to play with it. I remember the story of the... <laughs> it's one of my favorite... Um, stories of, of you, you, how many of you have ever seen those uh, Darwin Awards, right? This is people who have killed themselves in the most ridiculous ways possible. Now, this isn't particularly someone who killed himself, but I'm, I mean, this fellow, he's, uh, he's going ice fishing. And uh, he's got his truck and his dog and his, you know, whatever. And he's, uh, he's driven out onto the ice. The ice is thick. And, and uh, he discovers that he doesn't have his auger for dealing, a, for, for, for creating a hole in the ice. And he's, oh my goodness. So he does, on the other hand, have some dynamite in, in this thing in his truck. He's working the mines and whatever. So he takes a stick of dynamite, puts a fuse on it, lights the fuse, and throws it out as far as he can. At which point his dog runs, jumps off the back of the truck, and takes off after this stick. <laughs> fetches it grabs it, starts running back, at which point the guy's going, no, 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 no. And so he, he grabs, he's got a rifle in the back of his truck. He grabs that, he tries to shoot the dog. The dog is now hurt and goes and hides under the truck. <laughs> the man runs, the dynamite goes, boom, the truck is gone into the water. Dog is also gone. Dynamite, very good thing, very powerful, when used properly. Not so good when not used properly. I can't believe I just told that story. <laughs> so, Pastor Mark will say he's not speaking again. So, anyway, so here's the, here's the point. We don't give power tools to babies or to those who have no idea how to use them. We don't leave dynamite laying around for people to kind of pick up and play with. Because of the damage that that would cause. So we simply prevent them from access to it. Now, God wants to give us power to create or to destroy with our tongues. In fact, he has done so. The tongue is capable of those things. But he can't put the power in. He can't put the power in for most of us because we won't control it. We will throw the dynamite out to make a hole in the ice because it's just easier. And so, rather than oh, turn it on, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off, most of us really just can't steward the level of authority that I believe God wants to grant his children on the earth with our tongues. And it has to do, well, let, let's, let's, let's look here. Um, James, <clears throat> we'll look at James 1, 19 to 27. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only f uh, fooling yourselves. 
For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and then forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Verse 26, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So this is an interesting thing because he goes directly into this, this comment about, you know, if you're not controlling your tongue, then you're fooling yourself. But then he does make the point about not letting the world corrupt you. And I think often we end up just kind of letting things slide because that's the way it is all the way around us. And so, yeah, whatever. I work with a bunch of guys who use this kind of language, so I use this kind of language. You know, um, I work with a bunch of people, or I, I, I hang around with a bunch of people who like to criticize, you know, our, our premier, whatever, so I just join right in and, and, and have that same critical attitude, etc. But he's actually saying not to let the world corrupt us. In James 3, starting at the beginning, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. Oh. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Okay, so this is not easy. This controlling our tongues thing is not simple. In fact, it's kind of impossible at a certain level. Okay? Which is why, again, there's no condemnation in here. It's more, let's wake up and be aware, right? It's look at what's coming out. What's the overflow of my heart? What's coming out? What's in my heart? So this is not about, oh, shoot, well, I messed that up and I'm... No, it's nearly, it, it, it's actually just the opposite. It's, I love to look back and go, wow, that's, uh, I'm not struggling with that, that way of speaking that I used to struggle with. Praise God. My goodness, he's changed my heart. Um, so, uh, verse 3. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Wow! Wow! Okay, so let's understand. This controlling the tongue thing is non-trivial. This is a big, big deal. This is a maturity deal. This is not a little kid deal. This is a maturity deal. But how many of us want to be mature in Christ? This is, this is one of those items that will tell you how you're doing on that process as you go forward. Is your ability to control your tongue, your ability to actually not have your heart have that stuff in it, is a big deal. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so, blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. So if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there's jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, 
gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. Those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So again, I wasn't expecting to do this today, but do you want to pop back to verse 11? Um, I don't know where you have it here. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh and water, fresh water and bitter water? One day the Lord illuminated this for me in relation to words and actions. But we were talking about early when in during worship, uh, give me this living water. We were coming forth for living water. And so what God showed me just through this simple little verse is, what am I drawing from? Where's my source? Even when I'm talking about the source of my words, am I linked into the spirit of God? Are my words generated from his water and his heart? Or am I linked in and connected to a more worldly or a more personal <laughs> You know, because me, uh, without the Lord, uh, but, <laughs> but connected and, 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 and drawing from that living water changes my words, changes what goes into my heart and what comes out of my heart, what goes into my mouth, what comes out of my mouth. Amen. So I'm just going to do one, I'm going to share one other little piece of scripture with you, and it, it, it illustrates one of the other things. Um, because our words, I said they can create and destroy, but really on the destroy side, they're just creating something else, right? Creating destruction, if you will. Here's something Jesus did. Um, and I didn't write down the reference. It's verse 12. It's in the Gospels. The next morning, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves. Because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, May no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. Well, he went looking for fruit. There wasn't any. It wasn't really the tree's fault at that point. It wasn't the right season. On the other hand, when Jesus is looking for fruit, it's the right season. <laughs> and he said, yeah, no one's ever going to eat your fruit again. So then we skip down to verse 20 of the chapter <laughs> in the book. And the next morning, as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Now, how many of you know that that's not normally the way a tree dies, from the roots up? Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, look, teacher, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I'll tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. That's a little worse than dynamite, don't you think? Do you know that if you're moving mountains, you do have to have a place to put them? <laughs> but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it'll be yours. But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. So with his words... He was also able to create complete destruction in that tree. And this serves, I think, as a real sort of reminder to us 
that the level of authority that he had in his words, and we know he said, greater things you will do than these I have done. So the level of authority God wants to give us is that kind of authority. But he's, he's got to have a people who can steward that, right? So when you criticize yourself, when you tell yourself that you're a loser or an idiot or whatever, aren't you glad that you don't have the authority that Jesus had? But wouldn't you like to have that? Wouldn't you like to be mature enough to steward that authority? That's where I want to be. I want to be that mature. I want to be able to be trusted by God to have that authority. Look, if we want to be a prophetic church with the power to create with our words, let me tell you something. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. This is one that we don't spend a lot of time on. But here it says, Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. King James says, study to show thyself approved unto God. That is beautiful. (laughs) Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. You know what? We can show ourselves approved. We can mature. We can work hard. This is the thing. This is why I said this is so different than what I would normally come up here and do. Normally, I'm saying, let's just pursue God, pursue God, pursue God. All that other stuff will take care of itself. You know, seek first the kingdom of God. Everything else be added, right? And that is so true. That is so true. But it also says work hard. To be approved. I'm telling you, God likely won't grant us the power to bless until he can trust us not to curse. He won't grant us the power to create until we won't cavalierly destroy. He won't grant us the power to reveal truth unless we're committed to not lying. He won't grant us the power to speak words of knowledge unless we can keep his secrets and not slander or gossip. If we want to operate in all of those gifts, those speaking gifts of the Spirit, then there's a thing that we want to do. We want to work hard on our words, on building up, on speaking life, right? On not criticizing and speaking death. How about when one of our leaders does something that we truly believe to be boneheaded, (laughs) because it's going to happen, instead of calling them a bonehead, what about if we ask God to give them wisdom, to grant them a vision of what he'd want to see them do, of where he'd want to see them lead? What if, right? If we could learn to speak blessing into those cases and to create what God wants on the earth rather than throw a tantrum about what we didn't want. So that's my, uh, I guess, my commission to us this week, this life. But starting this week, oh, oh, here it is. Here's the assignment. I gave this assignment to my wife some time ago. Not that long ago. (laughs) I asked her to commit to going an entire day without one single word of complaint. Without one single negative word. How many of you would take that challenge this week? Okay. Lots of hands. Okay. Shall we choose the day? It should be every day, but I'm telling you right now, (laughs) let's go for Tuesday. I'm serious. On Tuesday, no one in this room is allowed to say anything negative about anything or anyone and no word of complaint. Can we do it? We're into that? 
What, what's, what's there? Put it in your phone on Tuesday. Matthew's putting it in his phone already here. Reminder, first thing Tuesday morning. Nothing negative today. You might need to put a reminder every hour. <laughs> Galen says every five minutes. <laughs> Nothing negative. No, because the 15th time it pops up. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I just lost the game. Anyway, <laughs> so... Um, never mind. Okay. So there we go. And I'm just going to pray that over this body, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would give us a change in our hearts such that the overflow of our hearts is blessing. The overflow of our hearts is creation. The overflow of our hearts is truth and light and love. And that that's what would come out of our mouths and that you would be able to grow us up as a people who you can trust to create what you want to see on this earth. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, that was excellent. Uh, I feel like we just took a bath in the Word of God, which is so needed, right, of... That's a lot of stuff, and I think for some of us, we're going, what, it actually says that in there? Yes, it does say all that in there, and it says all that for a reason. Uh, Just as Jim was sharing, uh, I know there's a lot of heroes teachers here who I'm sure had a lot of stuff going through their heads, but uh, uh, one of the things going through my mind is uh, we teach in all the public school systems. We've done it for over seven to eight years, and one of the most impacting chapters we teach is the chapter on words. There are enough negative words being spoken by this culture that we don't need to entertain that as well as the body of Christ. Let me tell you, the amount of heartbreak and hurt that comes to the lives of these kids, it just shouldn't happen. I mean, even last week, me and Jen were sitting in our backyard, and we have some new neighbors. And I mean, they have four kids, just young kids. And we were listening to their parents speak to them. And I mean, every word was, you effing idiot, you this, you that. I literally was brokenhearted of hearing this. These are the words that are flooding our nation, flooding our schools, flooding everywhere. And so I would say this is a good word because as Christians, we don't want to blend in with the world and do the same things they're doing. In fact, we truly want to be that light. We want to make a difference. And I know it's important to to God because of that testimony Jim shared of my journey in life. And I'm going to clarify it a little bit because I don't think it was six weeks. It might have been six months or maybe a little bit longer. But let me tell you this. I spent my whole childhood swearing. I mean, that was our family. That's the way we function. Maybe some of you grew up in that as well. But, I mean, Pastor Keith Gagne was the senior pastor of this church. He was our neighbor at the time, and I felt sorry for him. Because he often would be outside, and we were not aware of the fact that he was this godly pastoral man. And, I mean, the way we spoke was, I was just horrible. But we didn't even realize what we were saying and doing. It was just normal language. And that's what my neighbor's actually doing right now. It's just normal language for them. When I got saved at this church, I got to be honest with you. I didn't even know swearing was bad. That's just being honest. I actually remember probably about two to three weeks after getting saved, I went to an Alliance uh, conference. And I remember sitting on the back of the bus, and one of these guys was sharing a story. And at the end of the story, I said, holy beep, that's an amazing story. And I'm sitting on a Christian bus, and I just remember all of a sudden this guy goes, you can't say that. And I looked at him, and I said, which word? Because I actually didn't know which word was to swear. Like, I mean, there were certain words that, that were like saying the in our house. It's the way we functioned. And I remember going with Matt Blacklock used to always make jokes because I'd always swear. It didn't matter where we were. I would swear all the time. And I actually came to a point where I said, God, I want to stop swearing. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, it just comes out of my mouth so naturally I want it to stop. And I tried and I tried. It just did not work. All I had to do was drop something on my foot and boom, there it came again. I mean, it just didn't stop. But I can honestly say this, because I do remember this, and I can't remember if it was six months, seven months, it doesn't matter. But what I know is this, is I actually just pursued God, and it had nothing to do with the swearing. It's just where I was in my journey and in my life. I wanted God. That's it. That was the most important thing to me. 
And I pursued him with everything I had. I remember as a young person, that's all I wanted was God. That's it. So six months, seven months, I just remember one day going, man, I haven't sworn in a long time. And God actually transformed my mind and way of thinking. Why? Because I was seeking the Father. We have a responsibility as believers, not just over swearing over everything, to seek the Father so that as people see us and watch us, they see the love and the life of Jesus Christ, and we will truly affect them. I know we will. So, Jim, thank you for sharing that word. I appreciate it. God, may your words, the word of God, penetrate our hearts right now. And may we be people who actually want truth, we want life, we want godliness, and we want goodness. May that be what rules our heart, and that's it. Be blessed and encouraged, and I pray that the Lord would be with you all this week and guide you in your journeys, and that he would truly, truly let you be a shining light to your neighbors and to those around you. So be blessed and encouraged in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go.